and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game lore, stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kukita Kaori. And uh, we have a fun fun podcast for you today. All our podcasts are fun, obviously. <laughs> uh, we have some fiction to look at, which is Cold Autumn Harvests. And we have our review of Path of Waves, which is the the guide for playing outsiders in Rokugan. Indeed. But first, Cold Autumn Harvests. Uh, Cold Autumn Harvests is by Marie Murdoch. And in that story, uh, Akoma Tsunari and her Lion Clan troops are left starving without resupply. And they're on the Unicorn Lion border. And they receive word... From Ikoma Anakazu through his messenger, Ikoma Ayano, that they are to take the nearby unicorn village for supplies or conveniently starve. Mm. All, yeah, although to do so is uh, dishonorable, Sonari puts her loyalty to her lord above her compassion and, and takes the village. And then she leaves for Odasan Uchi to pay the price for such shame in the name of her lord. Yep. Because I believe, my understanding is, I'm not quite sure what the politics is up to, but they really shouldn't be attacking villagers, technically speaking. They're not actually at war yet. And mm, it's all, ooh, and it's like, mm. <laughs> Well, basically, with the, um, before, when, a, when the lion attacked a village, they said this village is part of the marriage deal made between Alton yep. Sanai and the Ikoma Daimyo. And so we have a right to this village and we're going to take it because yep. it's ours because you agreed. But this one is not anywhere near those lands under dispute. Indeed. And this is especially true when it turns out that this isn't just a village with rice. This is a tax village where taxes from surrounding areas get kind of put together and then sent on which adds another wrinkle to the whole thing right so that's one of our lore nuggets today so mm -hmm. we have a few lore nuggets um the first as you said is onan village is a tax farm that's a holding that sends most of its har harvest to the emperor as part of unicorn taxes so yep. when sonari leaves the village she leaves some rice she leaves the portion of the rice in the village that are taxes because they belong to the emperor yep. right Can't but take that. she's been told she has to resupply her army which means that what she is taking is all of the village's food supply for the winter yeah which is um not good not yeah, she knows she's killing them all. She basically knows she's dooming the villagers to starve by doing that. Uh, it's not, This story, if you look on the timeline, it's taking a place in, like, late October. So mm. there's no time for more harvest. No. Uh, we get a good description of rice processing in general, which is good and interesting. <laughs> uh, rice paddies are... The way they do rice is very interesting because you've got to flood the fields... And then you need to drain the fields because what you are what you are trying to get the, the rice to think is that, oh, no, it's a drought. I better put all my energy into making seeds to survive this drought. 
which you then harvest. And then you hang all out the sheaves out to dry and it's beaten with flails or winnow to get to separate the husks from the grain. So there's a lot of stuff on and the actual processing, which is kind of fun and interesting and a nice detail to add to your games. Absolutely. Rice is the staple around and the cycle of all of Rokugani life. So mm -hmm. uh, you should have either planting or replanting or harvesting mm. or processing yep. going on pretty much all year round. Basically. Um, and let's see other things. Uh, we talked about how only allowable targets can be fought uh, really without imperial permission. And that's... Mm -hmm. So this is very provocative. Um, yeah. Very, very much so. Because ever since the Yasuki Wars in the 4th century, total war has not been allowed. Just one clan versus another, because that's just very bad. And so... This is this is an escalation. So this this could this is this could have some repercussions. And as always, uh, a military unit lives and dies by its supply train and quartermaster. And I really like the caricature of Ikomo Toshiro here. He's writing love poetry for uh, Ikomo Sonari and and just being a really awesome dude here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really I really like his portrayal. He's he's a, he's a fun character. Uh, <laughs> More information. Uh, if you are starving, what might you end up eating? And what I mentioned are field finches and crickets. If, you've, if you're growing stuff, you're going to get a lot of finches, small birds if you're unfamiliar, in the, in the field looking for seeds. So if you're really, really, really hungry, you might try living off them and crickets, just kind of catching crickets and insects and things. <laughs> uh, which is not something you're going to do unless you're really, really hungry. <laughs> Now, uh, Matsubiona was a character in this story, and one thing about it was I really liked the way they depicted her her rage. She was in a Matsu berserker rage, but yeah. uh, the villagers were really not very good defending well, no. themselves against a lion army, of course. And so yeah. she just wails on screaming at, the dead for not putting up a good mm. enough fight and it's just a really powerful scene really powerful depiction of uh, the berserk rage i thought yes and how terrifying the matsu can be <laughs> pretty terrifying <laughs> how, how dare you not be better at, at defending yourself against a fully armed and trained lion military you farmers oh, sorry <laughs> you didn't we give me a dead. satisfying enough fight Look, if you'd given us some time, we'd have got some, like, you know, some, some Ronin, maybe, I don't know, seven or so. But no, <laughs> didn't give us time. How dare you? Um, yes, so that was really, really interesting. That, and, and just the fiction as a whole is giving us some interesting questions right. to ask. Like, so what is going on here? Because <laughs> they should be being supplied, but we haven't they're heard anything. not. We haven't heard anything saying that the lion themselves, as mm. a whole, uh, have are having particularly bad harvests. I mean, the elemental imbalance is affecting everybody, but it's not like the crane situation where they got hit yeah. by the tsunami and the dragon situation might left them a bit hungry, but dragon never grow enough uh, rice to feed themselves anyway. They rely on those crane supply lines. 
Well, they've got fewer people to feed these days. Anyway, but yeah, there's certainly never... We've, this is the first time anything suggesting that the lion cannot feed their armies has come up, which does suggest that this is possibly deliberate, either a deliberate withholding of rice taxes... Uh, or, well, sorry, not the rice taxes, but the the rice that is meant to supply the armies. Or a deliberate not supplying this particular army, and by implication others, so that they will have to raid the unicorn villages. Yes, and that certainly was the implication carried. There could be, a, you know, a little Daitoji interference on the supply lines, but if the Daitoji mm. were going to interfere, they would interfere on supply lines going to the crane not the unicorn on the other side of lion territory. So. Uh, and also, you you would have expected, if this was the Daidoji being aggravating, in order, yeah, let, let's let's annoy their forces fighting the unicorns so then they, ca they can't fight us or whatever. You'd have expected the, the, the conversations to be, there was meant to be a supply convoy, something mysterious happened to it. Right. As and opposed to, we haven't sent you a supply convoy. So there has been some discussion uh, about uh Colot at least mm. not in the at least in the RPG context. So the Colot are a mysterious organization who want to bring down the emperor and the samurai depending and who yeah. knows what their sneaky claims are but other than you know they want to bring down the emperor. Yeah yeah yeah. They want, to, in, they want to end the rule of the kami over humanity. Exactly. So in the old lore, this is not applicable here, mm. uh, at least one extremely prominent lion of this time frame was a kolot. Mm. And so there has been speculation around does Ujiaki, uh, who seems to be running the show, or does Anakazu, who is the Komodaimyo, um, know? You know, are they involved yeah. with the Kolot? Are they are they involved with what might be going on there? And we don't know, but that could we don't know that could be a possibility, or it could just be Ujiaki, who has already expressed that he just wants the lion warring all over the place um, mm. to do what they're best at. Uh, in previous fictions, having at you know making it, that it, happen, yeah. it may be it may literally be as simple as why bother to supply a, this at this kind of distant army when they can do the thing I want them to do, which is go and kick butt all over the place, and they can feed themselves. So I think I'm going to make them do that, and that right. it could be as simple as that. Yep. So so we'll find out if there's more behind it or what's behind it. Maybe someday. Maybe. Uh, as is, it seems like an intentional move by the lion armies in any event. Mm. That's that's the most logical thing, one way or another. Yep. Lion Command wanted this to happen. Right, so that's that fiction, I think. I think we've, we've discussed that. So we're now going to move on to our review of Path of Waves, which is the new big book from FFG and the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing line. So this is... This is the same size as Emerald Empire, as opposed to the smaller books like Quarterstone, Shadowlands, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So this is a great big thing, and this is how this is about playing people who aren't clan samurai, 
in Rocket Game. Main focus is Ronin, but there's also Gaijin and non-samurai, really. They're, they're, these are all possibilities that this book is aimed at. Right, certainly. And uh, even though it is about Ronin and Gaijin, I would say that there is a lot of material here Ooh, for regular so clan samurai. So, yes. And GMs playing regular clan games. So we will dig into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's section one, which is about the, the basics about be being a ronin. How mm -hmm. you can end up being a ronin, that ronin jobs, ronin bushido, ronin and the clans. So this is really kind of getting into the, the guts of essentially what this book is for. Right. Uh, <laughs> How to do it. And then, then the next mm. section is a new set of 20 questions. And mm. for myself, I liked this new set of 20 questions yes. better than the original set of 20 questions. And I yeah. think it would be very reasonable for, if you were doing a game to hybridize this set with yeah. another, with the other set of questions. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, there's there's absolutely a. I, I kind of I, I need. I think I need to like put them like against each other, and kind of look at okay, question one, question one, question two, right. question two, and then I think some of them like I'm playing a clan samurai, so I have to use this question mm -hmm. for and not the other question for. But I think there are some of them is like, well, you know, you could you could do the own in one, you right. could do the other one. And so, I, I think that's really neat. Yeah. So in this set of 20 questions, uh, it uses region instead of clan. So you pick where yep. in, where you come from, city or forest or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it has an upbringing and family trade instead of family. So like instead of Hida or Doji or you know, Ide or whatever it is, you have yeah. an upbringing and family. And then you have pick your school. And there's so extra extra schools, new schools, quite a few of those. We'll talk I about quite those like, in a minute. <laughs> we will. I quite like that because if you are a Ronin or if you are a Gaijin, you probably don't have a giddy. You don't have a duty. Uh -huh. So what do you have instead? What what conflicts with your ninja? And that conflict is in here, if you're a Ronin, it's your past. So instead of my duty is to, you know... It, foster relations with this clan even though my ninja says i hate them or whatever it's my my ninja is to be an artist but my past is my old clan is coming for me because of the thing i did mm -hmm. and that's the conflict and that's that's a really really interesting take on it i think and it comes with a table mm. <laughs> i love that because tables well, and and it's hard to sometimes pick things that are good from scratch yep. or pick things without having an idea of what they mean. Yeah, you know, what mm. what what did the creators intend for this? So a table, even if you don't use it religiously, like gives you a range and a size. And yeah, they have ninjas with tables too. They Woo. do, and it's it, it's nice having the chance to roll, even if it's even if you never roll it. Just having a great big huge swathe of examples. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic because even if you don't use the examples, you go, oh, okay, that's that's kind of the space that you can work in. I'm going to come up with something different, but I can see how we, uh, what it would need to be to fit in with this. But also, right. if you don't have any ideas, roll it. Mm -hmm. See what you come up with. So they have a breakdown of what is no what you know what you are known for, 
uh, which is gives you glory or skill. So if you are more famous, you get glory or you can get a skill and plus glory or skill. But one of the things I really liked, and I think I would bring over to the uh, other system, is yeah. what do they think of Bushido? Uh, mm-hmm. So in the regular core books, it, this is this question is a two-way choice. Do you like Bushido yeah. or do you don't like Bushido? And you get a skill or you get uh, plus five honor. Uh, in this, it's a three-way choice. So you can have a choice to live by Bushido, to value some of it, but not all of it, and yep. or you don't care about it at all. So if you live by it, you get the plus honor. If you value some, but not all, you get an item. Yep, and, which has some kind of history behind why right. this why this represents your different take on Bushido. And if you don't uh, follow it at all, then you get the specific skill. And I think this is a much better balanced choice because getting a skill is very strong. So yep. you see a lot of people saying, oh, I, I don't agree with this one little tiny nitpick of mm-hmm. Bushido, and therefore I get the skill instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is also a, a neat thing because you can have a different view of Bushido than your clan as a whole. This also helps. There's a, a bit of a thing because you got the the clans have, we we hold this tenet of Bushido to be the most important, so honor gains and losses are doubled i we believe this one is least important so gains and losses are halved but your character may have a different opinion and mm-hmm. even individual families within clans may have a different opinion yes for example the daidoji within the crane clan in the crane clan its courtesy is the highest courage is the lowest but if you listen to the blurb on the kakita especially the Kikita duelists, mm-hmm. courage is super important to them. Mm-hmm. And so you, you having being able to actually kind of, well, yes, I'm Crane Clan, but my character is really into courage and maybe isn't so into compassion, mm-hmm. for example. And I, I think it's good to have a mechanism to, to do that. And the also, so the another couple of things you get from the new 20 questions, you can have a prized possession with a really uh, the, there's there's trinkets there's a trinkets table at the end and the trinkets are awesome great. they're <laughs> just that. really nice loads of the story hooks and they're just they're just really really interesting looking things yes they're much better than how you get an accessory so i thought that mm. that was very cool and yeah. also the final you also get a uh, shared history with the group you and that yeah. is like how did your group come together how what is your shared gr- history with your group of players that you're in and that is yeah. so necessary here it yes. gives you a bond which is great we've talked about bonds mm-hmm. for court of stone but yep. it's like okay you all made your characters together and you, it's not up to the gm so much to try and put yeah. the group together which is absolutely something I think you want to steal for your great clan game. You know, even if even if you never ever play a Ronin or have a Ronin in your games, I think this is just a, a really, really neat thing to use bonds in that way and keep. So that's how you can kind of keep your game together, even if everyone's from a different clan and all that kind of stuff. Which I think yeah, and, really, and really you don't have to use it for every game, but certainly no. it's a good question to incorporate for many kinds of games. 
Uh, along with the 20 questions, there's a whole bunch of new advantages and passions and anxieties and adversities. So that's really neat. Yeah, so that's I liked... a, a, another set of things that you might want to want, Ronin game or not. Right, absolutely. I liked Urbane uh, and Ardent Leader as as advantages. Yep. They were very cool. Um, and, you know, passion for attention mm-hmm. was a very good... Uh, a good uh, one I could see many uh, yeah, different yeah, yeah. characters picking up and bullheaded I, as a disadvantage. Yes, another good one. Yeah, <laughs> I I quite like that there is a there is a dashing scar advantage <laughs> and a horrible scar disadvantage. Yes. There are obviously a ton of new skills, like you would expect, because there's all the stuff that's like I'm not in a great clan. You need different skills, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of them. And we'll just quickly rattle through them. We have the Wandering Blade, which is very strong combat focused on one weapon. So you can turn fatigue into opportunities. That's your kind of basic advantage. But this is the, I am wandering the land of mastering the spear, because that is my passion, and that is that is how I mm-hmm. you know, achieve perfection. And that, it's a very solid school, because turning fatigue into opportunities is very powerful when you want those critical I... strikes to show up let's see there's student of the talent student of the talent is basically the kikita school mm. but uh for range, ranged yeah. weapons it also instead of just upgrading and downgrading critical strikes that you do it also upgrades and downgrades critical strikes being done to you it's also yeah. got a nice little dose of shinobi, so you can be sneaking around and shooting things as well as yeah. shooting. Honestly, things. this this sounds very much like if someone wants a wasp type. Yes, yeah, this, this it, feels very waspy. It's very uh, waspy. You, you have a treasure hunter if you want to be like Lara Croft in Rock and Gun, and who wouldn't? Um, difficult to get the two pistols though. But other than this, yeah, uh, <laughs> but treasure hunter. You're vigilant in searching for tombs and stuff. Uh, which is your you know, in, your your school basic skill, but you do have a a bonus against social techniques and any combat ones where your well, number is vigilance. Yeah. So what Treasure Hunter does is it adds your school rank to your vigilance. Mm. So people's vigilance tends to run between two and five or so because it's like halved. But yeah. Um, adding your school rank to your vigilance. Um. It seems like yeah. it may have originally been intended to have you like being extra wary for traps and that sort of thing as you go mm. scooting around those dungeons. However, many kata and many shuji and all that social techniques uses vigilance as your target number. So once I... you get up a rank or two, you know, a couple ranks in this, these treasure hunters are effectively immune to social techniques. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so so just you might need to be aware of that. You may need to choose at your table, depending on what you want, to say that that vigilance only applies in non-social situations, not mm. and not have it turning them into super courtiers. But you know, yeah. you may not. It's it's your choice at your table. It's just something you should be it aware is of. Indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. School of Leaves is a shinobi. Uh, this is the ultimate, I throw down my smoke bomb and 
change the terrain. So yep. there's a lot of techniques in the kata section and actually throughout this book uh, mm-hmm. that are all about changing the terrain around you to do different things and then using techniques that stack with that um, yes. changed terrain. So, so School of Leaves is all like screaming smoke bomb and suddenly the land ground you are in is obscuring tem- terrain and now a bunch of techniques turn on the work yeah. in obscuring terrain. Yep, so that's another option for people to use. You've got the Artisan of the Roads. They're specifically good at scavenging supplies. So, but it is, it is fairly limited. It's limited specifically to whatever 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 it is they make, whatever their art is, whatever their craft is. They can scavenge things for that right I found... that's super useful for a pc is an interesting question yeah i i found that that's probably the weakest one from what i could see of the techniques in the of the schools in the book it's just you know mm. if it was broader if it was like you could scavenge all supplies that that would be pretty cool well, well, but that might be a bit too too awesome <laughs> compared to some of these anyway uh let's see voice of the wild is a shigenja it's a shigenja but it does not have invocations in the school mm. so you can't just say i'm gonna or free invocation access it doesn't have free invocation access yeah it has some invocations in the curriculum and it also has a school ability that lets you Memorize and pre-prepare any invocation. So you don't buy them mm. at all. You can still have access to all the invocations through your school ability, but you don't buy them. You pre-prepare them. So it's kind yeah. of like D&D. <laughs> you know, you prepare your stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's a, it's a different way of doing it. And it, it, it fits the I was never properly trained, right. which can, on the one hand, you know, it's a, one hand deficits, on the other hand advantages, because you do think you kind of do things like, I didn't know you could do it. Well, neither did I. I didn't know you couldn't, so that's why I do it this way. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a thing that happens. Uh, Missing the mountains. Uh, it's another monk type. This is your kind of wandering, punchy monk, I think. Uh, and lots of uh, they are monk and courtier, so limited keyhole access. Another type members, but the they do have good Kehoe in their curriculum. Yes, yeah, so they're not full full Kehoe access to anything they want. Um, mm. They are good at uh, lowering the target numbers for their group, and they do have good Kehoe in their curriculum. So kind of like this improperly trained monk, similar to Voice yeah. Wild. But yeah, I mean there there are there are kata they have kata and Kehoe, which is often considered to be a really quite strong combo but instead of getting they don't have free keyhole access but they do get very specific keyhole as they go up levels mm-hmm. there is the ujik diviner this is a gaijin school now mm-hmm. um and this is a sage which is a new type of thing they have bushi yep. courtier uh monk shigenja and now yeah. they have sage um it has free access to earth and water invocations only and rituals and shuji. And they can channel their rituals, which yep. is very strong 
and they can they can cast and channel at the same time, which is also very strong. Um, this book has a number of new rituals in it. I think there's some funky combinations going on where rituals make potions, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some good stuff. Good stuff here. Yeah. I think it would be fun to play around with Uchik Diviners. Yeah. You have the, uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this, Quamarist? Quamarist. The Quamarist Shield Bearer. We, there has been some discussion on the Discord about shields as a whole, honestly. Because shields are really, really strong in Shadowlands. And there's a big, huge, heavy shield. Which, rather interesting, is not the shield that is on the picture for <laughs> this school. He's got a little tiny shield because the Quamarist Heavy Shield is a great big massive thing that apparently covers three quarters of your body. And that's not what this guy has. <laughs> but this gives you, I mean, it's its a, the shield itself, I'm not too sure about shield rules. I think they're a bit broken because he's getting plus three to his target number to be hit. Right. So basically, loads. so basically. And, and can shield bash. Yeah. Right. So the school technique lets you shield bash. So if your opponent misses you, you get to slam them in the face with your shield. It's an mm. auto- automatic hit. So yep. there's no target number on that shield bash. Uh, and you can do basically up to 10 fatigue if you're high enough level. Um, yeah. With that it's, it's, shield bash. It's pretty impressive. And that would be pretty impressive just by itself if mm-hmm. if it was a chance. But with that shield, if you have it readied, yeah. it adds plus three to their target number to hit you, which means that unless they are in air stance, it takes a TN of five to hit you. If they are yeah. in air stance, it takes a TN of six to hit you. If they miss, which is highly likely if you need five successes then you get to slam them in the face with a lot of damage. Yeah, admittedly, I mean, maybe it's the fact because it, readying it is an action in itself. and I don't know, But if you're in water stance, you can still attack and ready. And if they miss, which they probably will... Then you also get to do extra fatigue and, 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 and. Like, right. Mm, this is a very, I think the, I think we'll talk about the items rules later, but I think yeah, that yeah. this one is, you just have to be really careful with this one and, and maybe think about tweaking the, sh- the shields, uh, resist down, like making it so it's TN3, not TN plus three. Uh, for mm. example, it's also resist four on a shield, so that yeah. means you have to do a lot of a lot of damage on and that the, hit com- to get past the resist. Yeah. And the the Quamarist heavy shield is also gives you spiritual resistance. Yeah, so it's which, big this, stuff. This class comes with that shield as well. So, hmm, <laughs> not too sure. Not too sure about shields. Other than that, I think it's not a terrible school, but. It's just the kind of, I, we think shields might be a bit broken. Yeah. Uh, you get the Cromarist Alchemist, who is a sage, and they get opportunities with uh, the various rituals, and yeah. there are new rituals for them to get bonuses on. Specifically, they get potion rituals. So, mm-hmm. let's see. Which we might have to steal for the um, Tamori. I think might that that might be a cool thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we have some ivory kingdoms as well. Mm-hmm. So that, these have all been uh, well. There's one Ujik, and they're the they're the uh, fake fancy Mongols. They, yeah, they're the fake fancy Mongols who are the unicorn have a lot of dealings with. The Komarist are off in the Burning Sands, and that's fake fancy Arabia. And there's Ivory Kingdoms, which is down south, and it's fake fancy India. So, so we have like two mm-hmm. Ivory Kingdoms ones, so they're quite neat. You have a Sage, and they're just conveniently called Sage, Ivory Kingdom mm-hmm. Sage, and they are Sage slash Bushy. And uh, what do they? Yeah, they they have Kehoe, and they can give their Kehoe burst effects to others, which I suspect that sounds really entertaining, actually. <laughs> Would you like to be able to breathe fire for a bit? Well. <laughs> Here you go. Um, and the last school is the Ivory Kingdom Dancing Blades. Um, they can hit multiple card- targets with a single strike, regardless of range, mm. and they don't need additional rolls for it. So I think that it is technically complicated to GM them. Uh, they did not give a lot of explanation in their, like, what happens if you hit two targets with one roll and you get a critical strike? Does that mean the critical strike goes on both of them? What does it mean? Are Can you yeah, do yeah, crit- yeah, yeah. two targets in one roll when you're uh, shooting ranged? Um, or you know, with a ranged attack? Are these on all attack actions? So do they stack with Kiho? And if they stack with Kiho, or not Kiho, mm. um, Kata... Yep. Attack actions, then um, it's a, yeah, yeah. What what does that mean when you do a kata of different kinds against people? Or how about opportunity spins? I feel like this um school is really cool. Yeah. But I think you will end up having to spend a lot of time if you're GMing it to thinking about how this works in your team. There are some choices. There are some choices you need to uh, make. I'm also not entirely sure that the lady. And this is another one where I'm not entirely sure that the lady uh, who is the 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 picture for this is necessarily because I'm pretty sure she's doing something that this school doesn't let you do. <laughs> I could be I, wrong. I thought the picture was for the sage, but um, let's but you see. also have the sage. But yeah, uh, never mind. <laughs> that's 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 a completely different question to whether or not this is a good like. Does this picture really matter? That's not terribly important. It's a very pretty picture. I'm just not sure it matches. Exactly. Um, I could be wrong. So Ivory Kingdom's Dancing Blades also have access to mantras. And mantras are a new type of technique, kind of like keyhoes or invocations, mm. which allow you to wield astras. And astras are magical artifacts. It's kind of the magical girl samurai effect, uh, you know, where they well, have the special super sword that powers them mm. up and does awesome high-level things. Yes, which is it's, a, it's an Ivory Kingdom's thing, which we shall get onto, I suspect. Well, I think that the mantras and this technique in general, maybe not specifically the dancing blades, is one that if I was GMing and I wanted to do a high wuxia high fantasy mm. kind of L5R, which is certainly possible. I would yep. look at introducing ostras and um, mantras into my Rokugan, not as a yep. everybody has it thing, but maybe they meet that spiritual being in the woods who gives yep. them the great sort of whatever and teaches them the invoke the summoning mantra, which is a mantra that they have in there that summons yeah. it to their side 
to which it, it really feels like that yeah <laughs> it it is as as we'll we'll possibly get back to it as we get to that section but as as is as it is in the book this is an ivory kingdoms thing but i see nothing stopping you from reskinning this absolutely so and... this is one worth worth reskinning for those high wuxia mm. l5r campaigns so along with the new schools, there's all sorts of new techniques. <laughs> uh, what have we got? 29 new kata, 16 new suji, shuji, sorry, 16 new shuji, and six new rituals. It's like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, there's six general kata, including two mountain one, mounted ones. So I think this is a big expansion for those uh, battle maidens out there. Um, There's 18 close-range kata, including two iajitsu kata and three unarmed ones. So I love the uh, iajitsu one uh, had sword and sheath, which is the Bruni Kenshin fighting fighting with your blade in one hand and your sheath in the other, which is one of the things that I I like. yeah, there's, there's there's whole, and it's also a base. There's you, you bashing people in the face with the 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 end of your pommel, which I think is neat. <laughs> and it, yeah, all sorts of really cool things. Uh, you got different things for different types of weapons. So there's new stuff for snaring weapons, uh, cumbersome weapons, twin blades, pole arms. Right. There's range cutter for for bows. Yep. There's five range cutter. Mm, just stuff all over the place. So I think that there is there is something here for pretty much everybody. Oh yes, uh, if you want to be a duelist, you know, a superior duelist, Mind Edge, Mind's Edge looks like the kata to get in terms of strife management. Uh, mm. If you want to be swinging from the uh, rooftops, uh, yep. man- or the mast, this is totally a mantis kata. Even it's here called. Mm. There's one called Daring Swing where you can do your goofy. <laughs> flying around with it. I like you. You actually specified specified in the show notes. Goofy Errol Flynn swinging into action, which is totally <laughs> yes. I want that. I want to do that forever. At least uh, if you're playing a mantis, that's what you play a mantis for. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and there's not there's some others who also kind of get into that sort of thing. I think it's a very shinobi <laughs> thing. Actually, now I think about it, uh-huh. that, you know, there's a lot of lot of like leaping into into things in in strange places when you're a, when you're a shinobi. So there's loads of people who want to do that. Um, I haven't. I have to admit, I've not. I've not stared at each of these in in turn. In in <laughs> like like really really paid super amount of attention to them. But uh, flashing steel strike looks pretty neat. Yeah, it's um, a good way to just force crits, which is mm. uh, sometimes something you really want to do. It's a very straightforward way to do that. There's lots of techniques, as we said earlier, which involve creating a localized terrain effect, which, yeah. as I said, stacks into um, quite powerful techniques. Yes. Which, so, I mean, there's also things you can do with the battlefield with that, like, you know, force people into stances, out of stances, say, well, you can do that, but yeah, that's going to cost you lots of stress. And now that's going to cost you lots of fatigue <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. very interesting tactical kind of stuff in there. So we have uh, 16 new Shuji, you know, three air, earth, fire and void, and then four water ones. I mm-hmm. think the coolest one I saw um was called pack gambit which is an air rank three one 
uh, it can give a lot of people assistance. It basically says right. there's a target, like an Oni or a gigantic mm. something, and yeah. everybody who is fighting that one is considered to have assistance from you. So, which is pretty neat. That is that is a very good, uh, very good shuji, I think, for for certain kinds of campaigns. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's got some good opportunities with it. So yeah, this kind of like the cheerleaders, like everyone kill that, and everyone goes. That sounds like a good plan. Actually, we never <laughs> would have thought of all of us attacking the enormous only at the same time. But Thanks we can. Know. But but yeah, but now now we're better at it. Oh, sweet, like that. <laughs> so um, there is an interesting pairing. Uh, there's a water rank one one called Eyes Up. That decreases focus by two to increase vigilance by two. And the flip side of that is illuminate the way, which uh, decreases vigilance by two to increase focus by two. Right, now, right, right. Now, these things look like they're symmetrical, but they are not <laughs> at yes, all. Yes, because they, they, they are calculated very differently, uh, focus mm -hmm. and vigilance. Right, which means that they they are used in different ways and they they have different values. Right, so uh, vigilance is uh, two stats divided by two, so each point of vigilance is worth twice as much as focus, which are just two stats added together. So, yeah. um, and vigilance yeah. is also used as the target number for uh, you know many techniques, and yeah. so this eyes up ends up being very, very strong. We talked about it in regards to the Treasure Hunter School, but here we do it too. So so just just as a heads up, don't think that those two are symmetrical just because uh, mm. <laughs> just because they have the same text reversed. Yeah. Uh, you also have um, Wanderer's Resolve, which is kind of similar to Courtier's Resolve and Warrior's Resolve, it's a void one. So mm -hmm. that kind of fit, fills a niche that you now have when you have people who are kind of not a warrior or a courtier, they're a wanderer. So that, that, that fills a niche. Well, and you could have both. Mm. So if you stack Wanderer's Resolve and Courtier's Resolve and Warrior's Resolve, you can just kind yep. of spring up from wherever and... Yeah. There's nothing nothing stopping you from, from doing that. Yeah. There are a bunch of new rituals. Um, mostly these are Quamarist Alchemist drafts, but they could be, again, reskinned for all sorts of things. So you've got uh, a Balancing Salve, um, which kind of can bring people back from the brink. It can also help with people who are afflicted. So you can, people of the dying condition end up, you know, you stabilize them, basically. And you can unafflict people, which is useful. Mm -hmm. uh, elixir of recovery uh, which gets rid of lots of fatigue so basically it's like the energy drinks from the Yakuza games <laughs> uh, fortitude draft um, which helps you against critical strikes so I'm, I'm not quite sure what that does <laughs> yeah so it makes you tougher um, you can restore people which you can, re you can remove disadvantages from critical strikes but you do end up with the horrible scar so it's like I could put your I could put your arm back on, but the join will show. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and the cleansing of coral and gold is an interesting one because that's the the people who live on the other side of the Shadowlands. Mm 
they don't use jade they use coral and gold and that's really interesting so this is like the equivalent of using jade to purify shadowlands things so uh the next session is kind of on on items and mm. the i think the items is the most iffy section in the book um yeah it, it's got yeah. the it's got another section on ronin and and money which is fine it kind of duplicates the earlier section but that's fine but they have uh, some yeah new... i mean just before that the um, just just for for pedantic sake there is the there's the celestial in implements of the ivory kingdom that's oh, where yes. this comes in the book and what we've already discussed this the, these are great big huge powerful things uh i'm I, I i kind of feel that because they're they're ivory kingdom things and i don't know how many people are going to be using that how much you want this right in this particular part of the book but if you want great big huge overpowered weapons because that's the kind of campaign you want to run these are the rules for you right so, don't think of them as that, just ivory kingdoms think of them as no this is the gigantic luxia weapon yeah <laughs> and and examples of how you can these are how the stats could work so you could make your own based off that mm -hmm. but then yeah then you get on to so you're not a great clan samurai well you know all that stuff about how you shouldn't ever deal with money well well that doesn't apply to you because you're gonna have to right and so i think there's a lot of stuff on how you personally as a character how the, the they deal with money my one quibble i have to say is at some point there's a paragraph which says ronin is subject to financial forces beyond their control rock gap is no unified currency the value of any type of coin in a particular region may fluctuate depending on how good the harvest was da, 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 and then gives you absolutely no guidelines as how to use that in your game <laughs> so i mean honestly i would be one of those if i was running a game like this i would be very tempted to say yeah technically technically if you go into another clan's lands uh they use a different coinage so if you go into dragon clan lands they use dragon coins because they would do and they don't necessarily accept lion clan coins because all the political issues so you're gonna to have to go to a money changer and you're gonna to to, i'm gonna hand wave all of that i'm just going to assume it happens keep it in mind that your poor starving ronin has to deal with this and that's a pain but I cannot be, I'm just not going to be making up new prices for everything every right. time you move a border. But it's a thing that's something, if, I, would like, I would like to have seen some guidelines on this because if you're playing a Ronin, you really do need to deal with that. Zenny pinching, can I afford rice today? Mm -hmm. But there aren't really guidelines for it. Which is, I well, think you could always have, use but, your, but, yeah. your, your superpowered sake cup. <laughs> You, you might you might need to in fact so so one of the things that uh so in the items the it has a handful mm. of new weapons uh yep. the gaijin weapons overall they're fine um yep. however there are these shields and we talked about those before so you know, mm. be careful with well, those it does have one of my favorite ever weapons i have no idea it's a real weapon that people really practice and i can find you videos on youtube of people using this thing i have no idea if it's of any use whatsoever but it is called the whip sword or the <laughs> udumi it is an ivory kingdom thing and it like i say it is a genuine thing it is basically let's go take a sword handle and instead of a solid metal sword i'm going to have three four-ish springy whippy thin metal blades so i can't stab anybody with it but they will whip around and they're sharp and they spark off each other 
and it looks terrifying. <laughs> and so I, I just love the fact that it exists and has been put into the game. I have no idea, like I say, if it's if you could ever use it. But it's, it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> mm. So yeah, shields. We're not very impressed with shields. We're not sure if shields make any sense whatsoever. Improvised weapons. Lots of stats for improvised weapons. Right. However, uh, this book seems to suffer a little bit of stat inflation, and this has to do with mm. us. You know, role playing games sometimes get into a, a zero bound situation, and I think that's what's yeah. going on here. So my, once my, you, my my phrase is is galloping supplementitis. <laughs> well, there's that, and there's the fact that you know if you have your, uh, you know, this weapon at damage three. In the yeah. core book, if you want to make weaker weapons than that, there's not much lower you can go. So, exactly, exactly. So it ends up, because of that, that some of these improvised weapons are rather inflated in their damage. So mm. the worst example to me is that if you throw a sake cup, right. just wielding a sake cup in combat has yeah. a damage of two and a deadliness of three, which is as much damage as a knife. Yes. Um, and... I mean, it's also, also the boat oar, right? If if someone whacks you... I just, I just want you to imagine someone whacking you over the head with a boat oar, as opposed to someone throwing... Admittedly, it's sake bottle and cups. <laughs> so maybe they mean you are you are using the whole... You're just throwing the whole set at them, maybe? <laughs> but but a scroll case. A scroll case does the exact same damage as a boat oar. Saki um, cups. The sake cups is, is like only... It's two damage, but it's the same deadliness. Boat oar is right. three and three. And so, it's like, really? It's as deadly as is. It's as deadly as a tetsubo. Mm. It does as much damage as a knife. And yeah. when it's thrown... It is a five deadliness and razor oh, yes. edged. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so I, I hadn't is... spotted that. <laughs> so if you throw a sake cup, it is now five deadliness, which is almost as deadly as a katana. And razor edged. So wow. um, it's kind that of... That is mad. It's kind of um, inflated <laughs> a bit. Boat oars, boat oars are also fairly terrifying because you wield them two-handed. It's like dead in the six. <laughs> so, wow. so anyway, don't throw yeah. sake cups around casualty without understanding that you could lop off someone's arm with it. I know. It's all a bit, ha, huh, really? You're sure. <laughs> okay. There's some personal effects which are actually good fun, and they actually fill in some some gaps. So there's travel rations, dice, profession kits, your alchemy, cooking, fishing. Yeah, I liked the profession kits. That's one thing that was from the old, from the core book that they didn't have. But everybody's, even non-Rona, even your samurai, a lot of them have things you want to do that are arts Mm. and craftsy kinds of stuff. And you need stuff to do it with. And so profession kits are a good guideline for how to price those things, which we didn't necessarily had before. Um, and also the, the, the classic, I have a weapon hidden in my walking stick, which is, uh, if you want to play Zatoichi, you need one of them. Right. And, uh, there's three new patterns. The patterns are mostly focused on, uh, well, two of those new patterns are focused on, you know, doing damage to tainty things, um, mm-hmm. which is always nice. 
Uh, the yep. third pattern is the pattern you want if you are a unicorn with a spear. So yeah. very, very powerful, very rare pattern for your mounted spear wielders. So check and that much out. And speculation on the name of the individual, because Kokejin is kind of similar to one of the uh, in, one of the famous people in the who made bad swords but i don't think it's the same person at all no it's a it's a woman yeah. for starters and she's well, uh, she's a guy eh? from the burning Sands, well so. you know it would wouldn't be the strangest things to have happened to a character <laughs> to it anyway never mind <laughs> yeah the, the the one of my favorite bits of this whole book in chapter 4 chapter 4 and 5 uh, are two actual settings, which I think is this is these are really really nice, and then they they are useful for just about anybody. They're specifically aimed at Ronin because yeah, it's supposed to be for these are places where they would have opportunities. But you get a big breakdown on Twin Blessings Village, and then you get a big breakdown on Hirosaka, which is a nearby town. Right, so and it has really NPCs neat. and story hooks. And mm. stuff about maps. life in a village and, and maps. maps. Yeah. Um, there's something I'm, I, I've kind of looked through the, the NPCs here. And I, there's some of the conflict ranks seem to be a bit over the, all over the place, but that just could be my lack of experience with the game. But there's someone here who's got a, a conf, a political conflict rank of eight. And I'm kind of like, really? Really? <laughs> but, Maybe, maybe that's not quite as weird as I think. So well, that can happen that can too. When you're talking about, you know, we've talked about inflation a little bit when you mm. core gets along. So, so you might want to think about it and reweigh: Is this person really better than uh, the folks in courts of stone, where you're dealing yeah, with the highest yeah. ranks around the emperor? Eh, maybe. But there are loads of adventure seeds. Most of the NPCs come with adventure seeds. Some of the locations come with adventure seeds. Loads of stuff going on in these villages, in this in this village and these these this town. Uh, oh, I remember the other thing I was I found very amusing. So the the map of Hirosaka, which is the town, is very lovely, but the text specifically says that it does not have an exterior wall, but the map has an exterior wall. There yeah. you go. I don't care. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I don't care. But <laughs> maybe it's just in decorative. The, in the section on how to adapt this map. This town mm. to various clans. It says this was a crab clan. Stick a wall around it. Yep. So but the 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 map already has one. So I'm a bit confused. But never mind. Mm. I don't care. It's it's a and the maps are lovely. I have to say, just they just they just look really really gorgeous. And so yeah, so there's lots of options for you know. There's the default setting for where they are, which is in the main map in this book, which is has different locations on it compared to the ones you've seen up till now. But so there's a default position, but you can put them anywhere. And his notes, which is I think really nice, about here's where you can put them if it's Lion Clan. Here's where you can put it if it's Scorpion. And here's here are the other differences, which it's just mm -hmm. it's just a really useful kind of if you want a setting for your game, this is a brilliant way of doing it. And if you want to start off the your game, if you've got new players starting off in a small village, is actually a really good idea. And then you kind of expand out the setting as you go. And then, oh, there's a big big town nearby. That would, could be your next place to go. There was one odd thing that I feel I have to mention. Because 
in on page one fifty on Hirosaka, it says that every citizen of Hirosaka is a vassal of the governor, and since the governor is obligated to provide the necessities of life for their vassals, each citizen is entitled to an allocation of food for themselves and their family. I have never heard anything like that about Rokugani towns. And I don't know whether they mean everybody, like the you know, the commoners and the samurai and everybody, or what? And I died. That just leapt out at me as being very, very strange. Because my understanding is that the the commoners don't swear fealty in the way that samurai do. Mm-hmm. That is my understanding. So I don't quite know what this is, what that passage is about. And I rather suspect that's one I would be ignoring were I to ever get a chance of running the game. Right. It could have been trying to to deal with or shortcut um, economics uh, mm. for for it to make it easy. Like, how are these peasants feeding themselves? Well, they're not pe- but, they're but, not but, farmers. They're merchants. No, and they're artisans but, and and yeah, stuff, and they, they sell goods to people. Yeah, they sell goods and they buy goods. And there's actually some price. There's actually a little price chart, which is quite a nice thing. <laughs> Which actually does have a bit of a here's a price range for on a good year, here's a price range when it's a bad day. A bad year. So I thought that's actually quite nice. And there's stuff on the underground economy, there's temples, there's people, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Loads of again, the this the town has NPCs and locations and plot hooks and it's just gorgeous. It's it's <laughs> really, really neat. I really like I mean I just 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 for any GM, for any game that you're running you you really really want this i think <laughs> there is a gm section section 6 is a gm section uh with yep. lots of uh bits on gaijin lands and story ideas for mm-hmm. gaijins and political intrigue goals and game themes and yep. especially things to be aware of and be culturally sensitive about when making all these yep. different cultures that's important uh, there are yep. also four new titles um in service to our lord to a lord um, yeah. A perfect land sect member, which grants water mm. suji. So there's not many schools that grant suji for those people who don't have it. There is a Ghostlands Warrior, and then there's Astradari, which is a magic girl. Mm. <laughs> basically, it's what, it's you, it's, uh, it's the t- it's a title that grants sort of the same stuff as Dancing Blade School that we talked about earlier. It grants that yes. summoning. Uh, mantra that gives you yeah. one of those magic items, and since that is a title, it means that your regular clan it. samurai or anybody else can get it. You do not have to be gaijin. Uh, yeah. Somebody who has the power has to grant it to you. So yes. that's how you have your uh, tenku or your whatever. Yes, in the yes. forest, whoever, whoever has it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, to you. the the way to limit titles if you're worried about them is someone has to grant the title. Your player can't just say, "Oh, I want this, I'm going to get it." Somebody has to grant it, and that's role playing, and that's NPCs, and that's under your kind of control there. Mm-hmm. But if you want, if you want your 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 samurai in whatever game to have access to these awesome weapons, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And there are bonds. The bonds mechanic, I think it kind of assumes you might not have bought Quartz of Stone. 
So it well, redoes it, 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 it does do the, the the mechanics again. Yeah, these are different. Um, there's five or six, five yes. to six kinds of bonds. Technically, mm. there's five, but protector and ward is a kind of bond, and protector mm. is one kind, and ward is the other kind. Um, yes, and yeah. rival is duplicated from Courts of Stone. The others are new, and they're things like Old Flame yes. and Perner. It does have the same description about bonds as uh, yeah. Courts of Stone. So if you didn't get Courts of Stone and want to use these bonds, it tells you how to use them. Yep. And so I, I really like the bonds. I think bonds are really, really important for a Ronin game. I think rather more than a a more standard game. Um, bonds are just a really important kind of mechanism. And I, I really like them. And it's one of those things I kind of wish was in the core game. But obviously you get Courts of Stone. It is there. <laughs> and then you get the world outside of rock again or at least a kind of a, a brief overview really um ideas of how to to integrate gaijin how to not integrate them if you want to have that kind of tension um how to play them and a brief overview of the ivory kingdoms uh which is actually quite there's actually quite a lot of interesting stuff about the ivory kingdoms um I found myself the, wanting more, though. I wanted a map so so bad. much. I mean, my my comment is that in a way there is too much and too little. There's too much if this is a Ronin book, but there's too little if it's a Gaijin book. In a very real sense, it's 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 like you say. It's like it's enough to make you want more, right? But you want more. You know, it, 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 it kind of feels like if they're going to put it in, they should have put more in. But what's here is really, really cool and, yes. and really, really interesting and, and, and does spark. Not very, it's so you don't get much about the Burning Sands or mm-hmm. you know, that, that land. So this is most, I, I, I guess you're expected to go pick up the Unicorn book if you want that. But there's loads of stuff about the Ivory Kingdoms and I would love to see more. And I think it could. This is very clearly something that could be its own setting and its own neat thing. Um, my only quibble is that they have this uh, amazing city that I probably shouldn't even try and pronounce. <laughs> the City of Splendor. That's its nickname. I'm just going to call it that. The City of Splendor, and it's unimaginably vast, which is an interesting idea. But rather weirdly, it gives in in the little sidebar about how big it is. It gives modern day population density figures, and I'm kind of like. <laughs> where where you actually have in real life um the edo the city of edo which is the samurai city the capital city of the edo period from the 1600s to the 1800s that was huge if you want a huge city you want to you want to pick some numbers for a big city go for that but neat things in here there are there's all sorts of interesting interesting stuff about the ivory kingdoms and their relationship to the Shadowlands, which they called the Ghostlands, mm-hmm. and the people on the other side there who deal with the Ghostlands, just so much fascinating stuff. It's it's yeah. yeah. I found myself missing. So it does have a note in the sidebar on the City of Splendor saying we didn't mm. give a map for the City of Splendor, and it's like, and I was fine. I was like, I don't care about a map for the City of Splendor. I want a yeah. map of the entire world, or at least the entire continent. Yeah. That- and captures Rokugan, the Burning Sands, yeah. the Komari, uh, uh, Kaila Fett, all, all, and yeah. the Ivory Kingdoms, and the Shadowlands. I, I just want to see those laid out so I can kind of get a sense of uh, like where they are relative to each other. 
Um, I, I do wonder, yeah, I do wonder if we're ever going to get that because I think one of the hardest things to do in map making is in, in for role playing games is here is your starting country and then that's all lovely in detail. Then you kind of go, and now here's the rest of the world and you can generally tell by the amount of detail mm-hmm. which which areas are just kind of, um, and oh, I guess there's some people here maybe? <laughs> yeah, there, there is a. I think it's a very unofficial map of the world of Rockagan from first edition. It's from there. There's one from the Burning Sands RPG book. It's the only right. version of of a map of the world there is, and it does not yeah. match the description here. It so, doesn't. so and it doesn't. If I remember right, it didn't match the description of first edition. Not really. It's like. I'd like, I'm pretty sure that that bit was in the south, not the north, and that kind of stuff like that. But never mind. So we have no map um, of the no no map of no. the world that is really very effective. No. I also would have liked to see more Gaijin NPCs, uh, just mm. to get NPC stat blocks and that sort of thing. Ideas, examples off, yeah. for them, because that's that's one thing we didn't have. And while Gaijin, you know, it says how to make Gaijin in your Rokugan. And Gaijin can also be a nemesis in your Rokugan. There's been a few. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, basically, if they're there, they can be good guys. They can be bad guys. They can be anything in so, between. So I would have liked to um, see NPCs yeah. with NPC stat blocks for some different kind of Gaijin things. Yeah. Now, there is loads and loads and loads of stuff on running campaigns. Some of this is like so how to run a game for, for Ronin. But honestly, there's, there are some really, really, really good general GMing storytelling advice here, which mm-hmm. I think, I think some of this is, is just brilliant going on about the three act structure, four act structure, uh, differences, the, the kind of the tensions and different themes that you can run a Ronin game in like, you know, redemption, like revenge, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, the very weird thing where it suggests that only Ronin can actually be friends, whereas Clans. Yes, I didn't like, like that at all. Weird. Right. So all of these campaigns, all of these kinds, a, a campaign for revenge, all of these things, mm. they are perfectly doable with regular yeah. samurai. You don't have to have Ronin. absolutely. So, so if you feel like that's are only good for Ronin games, please throw that rule out the window. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely, absolutely not. And completely ignore the thing that says only Ronin can be friends because great clan samurai have to be paranoid all the time. I don't think that's true, but hey, it's up to yourselves. But there's there's things of themes of justice, haunted past, which actually is quite a Ronin thing because Ronin have past instead of ninjos. So this is your past coming in biting you in the behind redemption revenge being a troublemaker lots of i mean there's this is just great great storytelling advice and gming advice and how to how to set up your campaigns just good stuff yeah you don't have to be uh, a ronin for that you can just have a, a no. have a have a daimyo as a clan samurai who's not wielding mm. you like a puppet every minute but just as giving you some Abs- freedom S- and that's all you need so is a little bit of freedom. You don't need Absolutely. that. A, a daimyo is going to not necessarily control his people's every movement. They've got stuff. Yeah. They're relying you to, on you to do a job. They don't have to micromanage mm. you. No, I mean, player characters have more freedom than your standard great clan samurai. Like you, if, you, if you're trying to, writing fiction about the great clans, your player characters are going to be weird. They're going to have way more freedom. Uh, but they're a protagonist, and that, that tends to happen. 
So, there would, but like I said, I love that section. I think it's really, really good. And I, I would recommend it to anybody who wants to run a game in Rocket Jam at all for whoever. Uh, there are trinkets and name tables. Trinkets are great fun. Um, they're just they're just interesting ideas and little. Some of them are just kind of fun, like uh, an eel pendant dangling from a chain. It seems to be made of a greenish, flexible metal, and that's basically it. Um, but you also have a bedroll made from bear fur, big enough for two people to fit comfortably inside. Anyone who sleeps in this bedroll tends to develop a mild craving for fish, and it's just so much fun. It's just that there's so many ideas and you can roll on them. Um, there's name tables. I I kind of was a bit grumpy about the Rokugani name tables because it's really not telling you, you know, gentleman names versus lady names. And that's an important aspect. But hey, uh, but Ivory Kingdom names, uh, Ujik names, Quamaris names. Or you so can go to fantasy gener- fantasynamegenerator.com and have fun in the Edo Japanese names. Table. And I'm also going to link in our show notes. I found two uh, posts on actually delving into the kanji of names. So it gives you lists of names and kanji and how you put them together and what they mean which I think is a great resource. And I think people should have a look at that. So I'm going to put that in the show notes and then, yeah. And chapter seven, all the non-player characters you possibly, well, not all of them, because you always want more. (laughs) You always want more, but loads and loads of non-player characters and ranging from um, people, there are new, new NPC templates, um, new NPCs, uh, like people, camels, the, the, Camels, uh, but you have like the clever innkeeper and the indiscriminate cut purse and stuff like that. And you have new templates to put on top of them, which include like desperate and Dodoshin, so like your your, law, your low ranking law enforcement, sneaky survivalist, that kind of thing. And you get new beasties <laughs> from like camels, sharks, elephants, elegant pit vipers, elegant pit vipers, as opposed to, I don't know, scruffy pit vipers. You would not want to be bitten by a scruffy pit viper. Let me just tell you that. Um, hornets, uh, you know, different types of fish, uh, but also and monkeys. You get macaques, so great, great stuff. But also uh, new monsters, uh, new spiritual beings. Uh, I like the the tiny the tiny air kami the tiny kami. Like so, there's tiny air kami and there's tiny manifest fire kami and water kami and. They seem That's likely to end up showing up and yeah, potentially I... being used by players to do things. <laughs> yeah. And there's a good looking index in the back as well. All right. Like me a good, in- like me a good index. And that says at the end of the book, we've got to the book we go all the way through. <laughs> and if you don't know by now, whether or not you should buy this book, then clearly we have failed. <laughs> Hopefully you feel like uh feel well informed now. And there's lots of content mm. waiting for you. But that's it for yeah. us, because we've gone that, on forever for us. For us. <laughs> we have. But I think, I think it, you know, this is our big book. Right. It's on the order. It's not that much more than the core book. It's the same size as Emerald Empire. And it has a ton of stuff. It's a huge expansion. And it, even though it's, it builds itself as Path of Waves, Ronin and Gaijin, it has stuff in there for every campaign. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, I Oof. don't have any particular call-outs this week, except to our sister podcast, uh, yep. LCG. Um, but thank you to our patrons who uh, are patient with us. We also Ooh. have a special treat coming up uh, in a very soon podcast, a interview with uh, Max Brook and Katrina Ostrander, uh, who are going to talk to us about intrigues so something to I, look forward to that is absolutely that we, we we're going to go into, into a lot of detail and and because that's one of the things that people have been kind of having some difficulties with and being a bit confused by but hopefully that is going to sort all of that out until that comes <sighs> out uh this is kikita kaori may the fortunes favor you and i'm Korva. i need to lie down and until we meet again keep your jade handy <laughs>